0: reason we're talking about burnout today, a study last year about this time of year was published and it discovered that more than half, more than half of of workers in the workplace in the United States are burnout. So more than half of the people who will get up in the morning and go to work are working in this state of burnout. Y'all are like, whoa, y'all are talking to me this morning, right? (laughs) Some of you, which half of the room is this? Uh, Going to work tomorrow, uh, burnout, but more than half of the workforce in the United States has worked and met these demands of their workplace for so long that they are operating in a place of burnout. I live in Nashville, Tennessee for eight years, and this week, I'll just be really honest with y'all, somebody who cares about kids at Shermont Elementary, who loved watching our kids walk in here with palm branches this morning, my heart is breaking about the fact we are spinning our wheels as violence continues to happen in elementary schools and other public places across the world, we feel burnout political conversation about it burns us all out. We are spinning our wheels and we are getting nowhere and we're tired of the stinky smell and the smoke and mirrors, right? Many of us know what this burnout feels. Some of you are burnt out of your relationships. You've done everything you know to do to make your family life work, to make your marriage work, to make to make your relationships with your friends work, and you are absolutely burnt out. You are spinning your wheels and getting absolutely You are living burnt out. Why are we talking about burnout on the Sunday before Easter, right? It's Palm Sunday, Erica. Why are we talking about this? Because I need you to know burnout was a turning point for the people who followed Jesus. And it wasn't a good one. Burnout was a turning point for people who followed Jesus. So the reason the kids came in with palms... You're going to hear this story that we sort of live out every single year. Um, so Jesus is coming in from outside of the city. So imagine Jerusalem is where he's coming to. Imagine Jerusalem is like Tampa. He's been hanging out in like Brandon, West Chase, maybe even Ocala for a while, doing some really amazing and miraculous things. But it's time for the Passover, which is a really important celebration. And so now he has traveled from those outside parts of Tampa, um, you know, our suburbs and exurbs and even like as far as Ocala. He's traveled from there to the city center to celebrate with people that he loves. The, the, the festival of Passover. It's when the people who were Jewish remember how Jesus, how Jesus, how God delivered the 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 people who were slaves in Egypt. The Israelites who were slaves in Egypt. Like they crossed the Red Sea and all this. It's, it's a time when they remember that Jesus, that God passed over and allowed them um, uh, this journey into freedom. So they're all coming in to celebrate. Like imagine. <laughs> so, that video, I'm telling you, if somebody in here needs to know you're looking like that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, these people are, are really, really excited about what they're coming into. So, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. The great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches, they dragged them out of the tree, and they went out to meet him. And they were yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and he sat on it, as it's written, do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on the donkey's colt. At first his disciples didn't understand all this, Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. So they studied this, but while it's happening, they didn't know what what all was going on. They didn't realize these prophecies for thousands of years were being fulfilled in front of him. So the crowd that was with him... When he called Lazarus from the tomb. So he raised this guy up from the dead. His name was Lazarus. The crowd that was with him there continued to spread the word about Jesus. So they told everybody, this man is coming. And they're excited about seeing Jesus there. So many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees, as all these people who haven't met him yet. as all these people come out with palm branches to see him. This is what the Pharisees said. I want you to look at this. See... This is getting us nowhere. These are the words of burnout. When you say these words, you know you've exhausted all things in your life and you can no longer keep moving. See, they said, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. They have tried for years to make sense of of what God is doing and these religious leaders at the time were like, we are are getting nowhere because of Jesus and the next few chapters tells about them working hard to get Jesus out of town and he winds up being crucified this this is the moment when everything changes when they voice out loud we are experiencing burnout we are getting nowhere i i this this prayer. I lived this this week, right? On Monday morning we're in staff meeting and and they'll tell you I'm like, Hosanna, Jesus is king like I'm so excited, come save us Jesus, about lunchtime a notification comes through on my phone that there had been violence in a a public, a a private a small private Christian school in Nashville, Tennessee Chris and I lived there for eight years we worked with young people we had no idea when we pulled up the headlines what it might say but we knew somebody we knew would be affected by what happened there. Jesus, come save us, I said. I, I said it earlier in the meeting before I even knew about it. Later in the day, I'm praying, Jesus, come save us. I read this story. I literally like know what happens. These people are, like screaming, Jesus, save us. You're our king. You're the only one who knows how to get us out of this mess. I've laid it down. Three, four, five days later they've laid the palm branch down and they're yelling crucify that man crucify him. How did they get there? This was the sentence that God is there. And I kid y'all not, on Monday, I'm like, Hosanna, Jesus, come save us. I'm praying on my knees, on my couch, like, God, please come save us from this mess. And on Tuesday morning, I I literally looked at Chris and I was like, we're getting nowhere, are we? We aren't getting anywhere and I don't know what to do. I had stopped praying and I'd already tried to move towards what I could do to save us, this is exactly what happens, right? I can look at the all these people who were who were there shouting crucify, and I can be like, "Oh, look at them! I can't believe they did that. If you would have just not done that, everything would be fine." But yeah, I saw myself in that story. I saw myself in this story. This week, um, I'm going to read to you what happens um, after the people have said "hosanna." They waved the palm branches and they put them down before Jesus. I want you. I want you to hear what happens. From From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. So this leader in the government did what? Tried to set Jesus free. He's been arrested. He's under custody. All this stuff has gone down. And Pilate's like, oh, I want to set Jesus free. But the leaders kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this he brought Jesus out and he sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the stone pavement which is which in Aramaic is gabatha it was the day of preparation of the passover so they're preparing for the passover they're not supposed to do a lot of work on the day of the passover so they're breaking they're you know cooking the stuff making all the things that are going to be at the passover meal it's it's this day it's about noon and pilate puts Jesus in front of him and he says here is your king the one you said, Hosanna, to just a few days ago. Here's your king. The one that some of you out there in that crowd shout, shouted, save us. woman at the whale back there in the back. The, one, the, the Jesus who saw you and knew you and told you you were loved and worthy. Here's your king. Here's your king. The lepers who had been healed. People who had diseases and were healed by Jesus. Here's your king. Here's your king. And you know what they did? They shouted, take him away. Take him away. Crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. What got them from the point of Hosanna to crucify him was they laid their palms down they said we aren't getting anywhere with this guy. We aren't getting anywhere with this guy. And this week, more than any other time in my life, I had to know why this turning point and what we can do now. We know better, so we have to do better thousands of years later, right? How do we keep from saying, see, this is getting us nowhere? Because when we say that, we start doing things that means we run Jesus out of our lives, out of our community, out of our town, out of our church. We run Jesus away. We run Jesus out. The surest sentence ever of burnout, spinning your wheels, giving out of energy, we are getting nowhere. I'm a pastor, I read this story, and I literally am like, like, we can't do this anymore. So I just want you to know what you do in burnout, what happens in burnout. So when you start to say, uh, I'm getting nowhere, I want you to just recognize three unhealthy things that start to come up in your life. The first thing that happens is you lose your priorities. Remember how we spent a lot of time talking about making the first things first the last four or five weeks? In burnout, we lose our priority. They wanted a new king, and we want new things to take over in our lives, right? We start to lose our priorities. They were shouting for Caesar to save them, not Jesus. He's a good king after all. The only one we actually want to serve is Caesar. And Pilate gives the people another chance, right? He says, this is your king, please, like, free him. And they still shout, take him away take him away, crucify him, because they got their priorities mixed up. They forgot what king it is they wanna serve. Now, 2,000 years later, I can find myself serving all kinds of things, right? There are some of us in this room that are struggling right now with an addiction, and it has taken over our lives. There are some of us struggling to forgive someone, and that toxicity and anger and pain in our lives has taken over. some of us in this world who who our money and our power and our job is all that matters even if we're it's causing us to completely burn out and spin our wheels and get nowhere. We have lost all sense of our priorities. Our families are the last things that we think about. The poor aren't even on our list of things that we care about. The hungry, the naked, the sick, we've lost all sense of our priorities because we are stuck Right, and the smoke and the stinky mess of burnout going absolutely nowhere. You've lost sense of your priority. The second thing you do is you lean into groupthink. Right? There were people there whose lives had been completely and totally changed by Jesus, and what do they do when the people around them start saying crucify? Here's my palm branch crown. Crucify! Him. They jump right in. Anybody been in a work meeting where you've seen this happen? Groupthink starts to happen at the table, and all of a sudden the good and new idea that we were moving towards has lost all steam, and we're doing things the exact same way we've always done it because we care about being a part of the group, right? Groupthink takes over. Groupthink ruins creativity, and it avoids responsibility. What happens, right? Pilate puts Jesus up in front of everybody. and He's like, this is not my responsibility. If y'all want to crucify him, y'all say it. Um, pilot, you're governor of, of a place. You could step in at any time you want, right? But in groupthink, when we're all just like excited about one thing and for things to say the same, we lose. We don't. We don't take responsibility for what we're doing. Everybody in the crowd shouting, "Crucify him!" and nobody takes responsibility for what's happening. This is what happens in burnout. You start losing responsibility for the things that matter. Who are the people that you are overlooking? What are the things you've put to the side? because of this. We lean into group think. There's a quote that I found this week that um, I, I just want to offer to you guys because group think does not have to have the power. you will go. It's the next sign. Um, there will be times when standing alone feels too hard, too scary. We'll doubt our ability to make our way through uncertainty. Someone somewhere will say don't do it don't be the person that stands up in the crowd and says wait a minute I don't think this is going the way we want someone somewhere is going to say don't you do it keep your hand down you don't have what it takes to survive the wilderness this is when you reach deep into your heart and you remind yourself Jesus is the wilderness Jesus is the wilderness and you can stand alone because he is with you now and forevermore. So if you're struggling with burnout, you don't have to keep leaning in to group thing. And the third thing is that we lose our intention. We or leave our intention. So you you lose your, your you live your life focused, right? On making sure you're a good parent, you're living your life pretty balanced, and things feel like it's going pretty good. You're working really hard to intentionally live a life that gives glory and goodness to God, that shares love with people that you love around you, right? You're you're working really hard to do this, but pretty soon in burnout, we leave our intention, and we're snapping at people who love us. We're ignoring people. We're not paying attention to the poor. We don't have time for share lunch buddies in our schedule anymore, right? We find ourselves losing focus and leaving our intention. These are the three unhealthy things. And you know what it does? Did you see what burnout does? It puts Jesus on trial in front of a world that needs him to save us. It puts Jesus on trial. We lose all sight of the things that matter and will actually save us when we are burnt out. We leave our intention. I need you to know, this morning you have choice. A choice that people made 2,000 years ago, but we have a different than now. You don't have to, those kids that had their palms, uh, palms up, you don't have to lay your palm down this week and start ser- serving other kings and other things. Hold on to it. Pray every day, Jesus, save us. Show me what that means. What does it mean to follow in your footsteps. Jesus, save us. You don't have to put, put the palm branch down. You can keep singing Hosanna in a world that tries to convince you that that's not a good idea. You, don't have, you can go against the groupthink that's all around you. Culture working against you to stand up for what is right and what is good and what is new. That being the prevailing thought, this is not new. This happened thousands of years ago and crucified our Savior on the cross. And even for the people who Jesus healed and loved and changed everything for even the people who dropped the palm branches out of their hands and raised their hands to say crucify him you know what Jesus did he didn't say I would get you back you know what he did he picks up a cross he marches to heal and he gives his life up for us Next week we'll celebrate that he raises again under all the things that hold us back. But this morning I want you to know, it doesn't matter how many times you've laid your palm down. If you're having trouble picking it up this morning, you know who marches with his cross to save you anyway? Jesus. Because you are worthy and you are loved. He puts that cross on his back and he marches up a hill to save every single one of us. It took me until last night, and I'm probably going to read it because I might get a little emotional, so I just need y'all to do that. It took me until last night to have the courage to actually answer God telling me to share this with you. But in December, I was completely burnt out from being a pastor. Those of you who joined us at Panorama Bowling Alley on a parking lot <laughs> under a tent while we like literally slept stuff all over the place and were soaking wet some days and freezing cold the next Sunday, Y'all will, uh, y'all will remember <laughs> that I was uh, probably not in the best place I've ever been in. There was one, that's where we spent December. We did not spend in these nice comfy chairs. We spent it under a tent at Panorama, because we thought things were going to move and we were going to move in there. It's fine. Um, there was this one morning that the sound didn't work. Do y'all remember this? The sound doesn't work. It's like literally 10:15. The sound's not working. The every like everything is an absolute mess. We finally get the sound working and they put a microphone in my hand and I tried to start the announcements and I cried. Not the, oh Jesus is going to work here anyway kind of cry but the I'm embarrassed and exhausted and depleted kind of cry. Some of you were there for this. I was crashing and burning. It was not a good day. <laughs> Some of y'all hugged me afterwards and I still want to tell you thank you for that. But the next day, my mentor and coach calls me out of the blue. Like I, We always talk only on scheduled calls because I make an hour happen for his phone calls. And he calls me out of the blue. We didn't have a scheduled call. And he, he, he I said, hello? And he said, Erica the Brave, because that's what he calls me. Because I think he thinks I'll be brave if he keeps calling me that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what he calls me. Erica the Brave, how are you? And I couldn't even choke out, okay, because I'd already started crying. He said, after some silence, he said, Erica? I said, Matthew, this isn't good. I can't do this anymore. And he was quiet for an uncomfortable amount of time. And he said, what is this? And without hesitation, I said, the church. He paused again for an uncomfortable amount of time. And he said, so what are you going to do instead? I said, well, I haven't really thought of that. He was like, well, tell me what you're going to do. I said, well, I still feel called to be a pastor, so I'll just be the pastor of a different church, a real one with walls and carpet and air condition and heat and a sound box that's already set up that all we have to do is plug in a few cords on Sunday morning. Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> amen. I was like, this is all I want. I'll be the pastor of that church. He's like, okay. And I'm not kidding. I said, but I want to take Mike and Shelly with me. And I want Crystal and Clarissa too. And I want Brittany and Chris and Harold and Jana. And I want Jacob and Jansen and Julie and Sasha. And I need I need Sean and Kelly Ann and I hope they'll bring his mama with them too. <laughs> and I, I said this and he was like, Whoa, 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 Erica. He's like, You can't have it both ways. You can't have a new church and the same church. You can't like that's not you can't you can't do that and when he said that out of this deep place inside of me I found the courage to utter the scariest thing I've ever said so I said I want all these people in my church I said what if they don't want me what if they don't want me as their pastor anymore And without hesitation with no silence this time He said, Jesus still wants you. Even if they don't want you, Jesus will still want you. Burnout was a turning point in my life. And I had the choice. Lay down what God had called me to do. Lay down what God had raised me up to do. Or keep serving Jesus. So in the middle of Christmas, I kid you not, I cut a branch off my Christmas tree and I stood in my living room and I said, Hosanna, Jesus save us. Because it doesn't matter what you've set down. It doesn't matter how burnt out you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. Who rejects you or who will not give you space in your life? I need you to hear this. Jesus wants you puts a cross on his back and he marches up a hill for you. And for everybody else in this room, it doesn't matter what you've done before. It doesn't matter how burnt out or exhausted or empty you are. Jesus wants you. God. And he wants to save you. And before Crystal sings, I want to be crystal clear with every single person in this room. Hear me say this loud and clear because Jesus wants every single person in this room because Jesus wants all of y'all this body of Jesus, this church wants you too no exceptions, no checklists, no nothing Jesus wants you and we want to walk alongside you as you claim him as your king and savior this morning, this morning Sing Hosanna like you mean it. Ask Jesus to save you.